Welcome back to True Life Sessions. If you don't know me, my name is Michael Hawks, and I have the honor of serving on FCA staff in the Pacific Northwest. And today we have a very special episode. We are traveling all the way to Knoxville, Tennessee, Knoxville, Tennessee, to talk with Arbor Diggs, who is an FCA staff person that serves on staff in Knoxville. I'm so excited for this conversation because Arbor is so wise, but not only wise, she is extremely passionate about Jesus and extremely passionate about teaching others what it means to live in the new identity Jesus has for us. In the first part of our conversation, we'll learn a little bit more about where that heart comes from in in Arbor's life. And then in the back end, we're going to dive deeper into what it looks like for each of us, sons and daughters of the Most High King, to walk in the new identity that Jesus has for us. This is such an amazing conversation. I'm so thankful for Arbor and her wisdom, and I pray that you can gain something from our conversation today. So without further ado, let's jump into our conversation with Arbor Diggs. Well, what's going on, FCA? Welcome back to True Life Sessions. And as you can tell, we are uh, not in a room together, right? We're, we're not we're not hanging out together no. in a room. No, definitely not. We are actually, this is the first, listen up, coaches and athletes. This is the first cross-country TLS. So right now, I'm sitting in my home office in Portland, Oregon, and I have the amazing guest, Miss Arbor Diggs, sitting in Tennessee, and we're nice. here today to talk about some identity. But first, we got to get to know Arbor. Arbor, what's up? Welcome to TLS. Thank you. Thank you. It's cold in Tennessee. I don't know how it is there, but I'm excited we're indoors and not outside. <laughs> I feel like the grace of Jesus is on Portland because it's been sunny all week. You know, mm, usually it, not it rains. <laughs> yeah, it rains from July. No, I'm sorry. Halloween to July 4th, basically oh. every day. And so when we get any sun, it's like people are just out and about. And I love I it. I cannot <laughs> do that. I cannot do that. I need my sunshine. <laughs> yeah. All the warmth. Yeah, it's it, we have to actually take it's this is just a little inside to the northwest. We actually have to take uh, vitamin D supplements because the the sun just literally never what? comes out. Yeah, it's crazy. It's wild. Well, but anyways, I, I yeah. don't take vitamins, so I couldn't live there. <laughs> anyways, anyways, Arbor, we're gonna just do some like round robin questions. I'm gonna hit Perfect. you with some things. I prepared some questions, but obviously I'm gonna hit you with questions just completely out of the blue because we want to keep you on your toes. Okay, yes. keep you on your toes. Okay, where are you from specifically in Tennessee? I'm from Maryville, Tennessee. It's a small city outside of Knoxville. Awesome. And uh, do you serve on Knoxville FCA staff? I do, Knoxville FCA. I work with the middle and high schoolers. Awesome, awesome. What is your go-to snack? Ooh, white cheddar Cheez-Its. I have a whole box in my, <laughs> in my pantry. <laughs> the Cheez-Its are gas. Cheez-Its are yes. great. Um, what sports did you play? So I actually wasn't a sporty person, but I was mm-hmm. a soloist ballet dancer. So sport, but not really no, a that sport. that is definitely. And anybody, athletic. Any, yeah. <laughs> anybody yeah. that tries to say that's not a sport, then yeah. they're just wrong. I'm just gonna I just gave up the fight. So I just say it's not a sport. <laughs> it is, but. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, what are you binging on Netflix right now? Oh, Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds. Nice. Every that's night I watch cut. an episode almost. Yeah. That's a deep <laughs> Probably cut. not. Not good, but <laughs> <laughs> um, office or Parks and Rec? Oh, office. Thank you. Okay. I, I thought... only watch <sighs> bloopers from Parks and Rec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only yeah. thing I find funny. Yeah, that's good. Um, let's see. What's your favorite superhero? 
Ooh, probably Captain America. It's the wrong answer. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I, w- I did watch the new Spider-Man last week and saw no my spoilers. Eyes out. Yes, no not, spoilers. But he's number two. I, yeah, I watched it and I've never oh, cried. I'm just gonna be real with you, TLS. I've never cried so much in a Marvel movie mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah, like even more than the famous Iron Man snap. I was mm-hmm. bawling. My wife actually separated herself from me in the theater because I cried <laughs> so much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm are big, you? <laughs> yeah, a little. I'm a big Spidey fan. Me and my son yes. love Spider Man. So that was that, that was the correct answer, obviously. Huh. Um, but cool. Yeah, glad we get to know you. Um, glad that you're here. Uh, I want you to share briefly, kind of your your upbringing and specifically like your testimony, like coming to Jesus. For sure. So I live in the Bible Belt. I grew up in the Bible Belt. So everyone here, sadly, is a Christian um, by just how you've grown up and how you've lived. There's a church probably on every street in Tennessee. I I swear it's crazy. And so Mm -hmm. growing up, I had wonderful Christian parents, but I just fell into kind of the trap of cultural Christianity. Um, And since I did dance and was very involved with like getting my grades up and loving school, I kind of pushed church and Jesus to the side. Um, and really just tried to dive deep into my dance and to my school career. And so that involved me not going to church a lot. Um, that was nothing my parents did. They were literally so good, so wonderful. It was just me being my teenage self, refusing to go. Um, but that just led me away from community and, and truth and people holding me accountable. So throughout college, I chose a lot of worldly stuff. Um, and, and God kind of ruined my life in the best way. Junior year, mm. he kind of took me away from everything, which left me with nothing. But then he he made me realize like if you chase after the world and you cling on to identity and all of that, you're going to land with nothing because everything, mm-hmm. everything from the world disappears. So instantly junior year of college, my life turned around and I was obsessed with Jesus and I haven't stopped being obsessed with him. It's almost kind of annoying. I'm definitely the Jesus girl that people talk about. Um, but yeah, I definitely grew up culture Christian and then realized the damaging effects of that in college. Mm. And now I'm just a Christian full on, but not the bragging one, it's like, no, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus every day. Yeah. So I cling on to him desperately. He used to be my title, and now he's my identity. Ooh, she's preaching now. <laughs> tweet it. <laughs> she's preaching. She's preaching. Yeah, tweet it. Big deep. Okay, that's good. It's it's so funny. You're speaking my language because I'm sure people on TLS have heard through my accent that I'm not from the Northwest. And maybe if you didn't, now here is the great revelation. You're <laughs> I'm born and raised in Virginia. And so you're speaking my language. I actually yes. met Jesus at an FCA camp in Chattanooga, awesome. Tennessee. Okay. And yes. So yeah, yeah. So changed town. my life. Yeah. A little chat town. Yeah. Let's go. And uh, <laughs> you're speaking, you're speaking my kind of language and that's so, mm-hmm. that's so good. But that, something you said there at the end is what we really wanted to hone in on today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're we're in our new theme. It's every and and really this first quarter, this first little bit, we're talking about our identity in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that this first month, we're talking about we are created. We're actually image bearers of God. And something you said there in the end is Jesus isn't my title, but now he's mm-hmm. my identity. That's so good. Can yeah. you share a little bit about that? Like, like, what does that mean for you? Yeah, definitely. I think Nowadays, whether you're in the Bible Belt or not, a lot of Jesus and Christian and God is is really meant just for people's titles. Um, mm. A lot of people, even uh, on something as silly as Facebook, it's like what what Christian or what religion are you? And people put Christian, mm. and they're like, that's that's it. Or it's you know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven in someone's Instagram bio. And just the very modern Ooh. world we live Ooh. in, it's it's very much just a title, and it's just like a little patch on your jacket, and you're just wearing it 
just to wear it and just to have it and just to make yourself seem better. Um, so I think we just live in a world that's really hooked on Jesus as their title. And if, if that's how it is, and that's why I'm so passionate about identity because I lived through it. And if that's mm. what it is, then it's nothing more than just someone's name slapped onto yours. And it's like, that's not why Jesus died. He, he died. Mm. So your name is completely removed because your name is terrible and it carries so much weight and sin and baggage. Mm. And he's like, no, like, I don't want you to have yourself. Like, I want you to have me. So mm. I think we're just in a world that's struggling um, to find the difference of title and identity. But I think it's also not because we're purposely doing it, but it's just mm -hmm. this world is so hard to find out what is truth uh, with things yeah. telling you what you are and telling you what Enneagram you are and take this test and take that test. And this is who you are. And if you have these characteristics, you're this and this yeah. is your identity. So it's just hard growing up in a world especially nowadays, finding out the difference between what you really truly are and what the world just tells you that you are. That's so. so I kind of also forgot your question. Like I said, I just get so excited. I'm like, yeah, you're identity. preaching. You're preaching. Okay, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to just give you the space to let loose. <laughs> um, and so in FCA, I've kind of stalked mm -hmm. you on Instagram. If, if you guys don't follow Arbor, you really need to follow Arbor on Instagram because her, her, ministry is identity like she is a preacher of jesus but also the message that she's bringing is that his identity is way better than anything that you got and so how have you like you want to talk a little bit about kind of your worthy nights and kind of yeah. how you live that ministry out yeah definitely so i struggled with instagram like social media been finding my worth in college especially as a female males go through it so much as well but i think as a female it's all about like looks and makeup and body image and mm. definitely being a ballerina on top of all of that was really hard for my personal self. And so mm -hmm. finding my worth was hard. And I never had someone telling me my worth besides, hey, if you're not pretty enough, if you're not skinny enough, like you're not gonna be, you're not gonna be it. Um, and so I desire now that I know what my worth is in to tell girls that. So I started a ministry through FCA called Worthy Nights. And it's a place for the girls, high school girls in Knoxville and surrounding areas to come and find their unshakable worth in an unshakable God. So we always have guest speakers come in mm. and they just keep it real. And it's only about girl stuff. Like there's body image, there's like dude stuff, there's relationships. Like there's, it's just a place for girls to get together and kind of break the barriers of what the world's telling us. But also like girls just are sometimes if, if you're, if someone's mad at someone else, they're not friends. And this is a place to just break mm. all of those the drama and the gossip of the world. And once you get two people in a room together, like they become friends no matter what's happened in the past. So it's really just a time to bring everyone together in community and fellowship and to teach them about their worth in Jesus. It's Jeez, beautiful. Please. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. There's 230 girls every month at least. Oh, so that's it's amazing. I cry every time. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that makes me that as, as somebody in the Northwest who's mm -hmm. not in Tennessee at all, that just gets me excited to see the repercussions of that ministry. Like mm. the, uh, the, the mothers, the wives, the leaders in the community, yeah. the leaders in business, the leaders in all of these different areas of life that you are pouring into that will one mm. day change the world. Like, yeah. and I think that's, what's so beautiful about the great commission. And that's why it's so powerful is that Jesus is like, I want you to go make disciples because through mm -hmm. that relationship, it, it catches on like a wildfire. Like, once people realize, um, and especially in your context, context, young ladies realize like m what my identity is in Christ, then it's like, I can't help but mm. tell every person mm -hmm. this same thing. 
And so I'm just excited to see the after effects, the ripple mm-hmm. that comes from you and your ministry to these young ladies at Worthy Nights in Knoxville mm-hmm. and the surrounding areas, the whole Bible Belt, and hopefully <laughs> by the grace of God, the whole, the whole world. world. Come yes. on. <laughs> and yes. so that's, that's great. And so imagine just for a second that on the other side of this screen, you have an athlete who may be struggling with identity, dude or girl. Yeah. You have a young coach who... Um, maybe single and is a young lady or a dude trying to figure out what their identity is, or you have a, a coach that's been coaching forever um, mm-hmm. that finds their identity in wins, losses, or whatever it may be. What is some like practical tips that that you've seen or that you teach uh, from the stage that help people kind of walk in this new identity in Christ? Yeah, definitely. So I one preaches to myself, like that's the mm-hmm. first thing, and yeah. then to other people I talk to, whether that's you know, as small as a seven-year-old or a 70-year-old, like everyone needs to hear it. But I always repeat over and over and over three things. I'm like, who is God? Who am I? And am I acting as God's? So the first Mm -hmm. one, who is God? You know, if you haven't read your Bible, I mean, it's a beautiful, and if you don't have one, just message FCA. I'm sure they'll send you one. If not, (laughs) FCA, you can charge my org. I'll send them one. But the Bible is where you start to know who God is. And once you dive in, it's just, uh, it's an unraveling of just sovereignty and love and goodness, but also like this, this power and this fear and this just God. And, and it's beautiful. But then he's like, hey, I'm also your creator. So then mm-hmm. that answer is number two is who am I? Okay, I am God's. And I always say, once you know whose you are, then you know who you are. And mm-hmm. so if you know whose you are, right, then you know who you are. Like you have a son that is your son. That's, yeah. he knows that you are his dad. And so he Come has on. to act like that. So I think the, the, the question to the answer or the answer to the question, excuse me for, okay, how do I find my identity? It's go back to number one, God is God. Number two, you are God. So number three, act like you are God's, mm. um, whether that's your own doing, like your own time, your own, you know, body, your own self, your own mind, like telling yourself over and over and over and over, like I am God's, I am God's, I am God's and, and mm. seeing what he says about you and then believing that and reciting it, but then flipping the, the switch it's like, are other people treating me like I'm God's, right? Is my significant other treating me like I'm God? Is my coworker treating me like I am God? Is is my coach treating me like I am God? And and if so, like praise praise God and it's beautiful and compliment those people and thank them mm-hmm. for what they're doing. But if not, definitely pray about it and then have those beautiful conversations of, hey, you're not treating me very well. Like, do you know that God told me blank, blank, blank? And they may not even know that you were ever God's. They may not even mm-hmm. know who God is. So I think just God and knowing him and knowing your identity in him can help not only you know your identity, but then other people find out their identity because some people don't even know who God is, even though we live in such an Americanized world. We live in our own bubble of everyone knows God. Um, So I think if you're struggling with your identity, one start at the place where it all began, and that's your Bible, because you can go all over social media and Google, like, who am I? What am I? But it, it started in a book and it's called the Bible. And that's the main source of where all of those people are getting their answers. It's all back to the beginning of the book. So definitely mm-hmm. just dive into your word. And just like a dog, when you're teaching him how to sit, you have to do it over and over and over and over for that's your good. heart to finally grab onto it. That's good. That's good. Paul says, I do it every day. <laughs> yeah. Paul says, Paul says in Philippians, you need to put into practice the things mm-hmm. that I'm telling you. Like Jesus mm-hmm. in the Great Commission is like, go tell all disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, teach them to obey everything yeah. that I've commanded. Like, I think a lot of times too, and we're going to have to wrap it up here, but obedience isn't a bad word. It's not legalism. Mm-hmm. It's actually 
and as athletes, we know what we know what this looks like, putting it into practice. And I heard somebody say the other day that they need to flip the script and stop saying practice makes perfect, but practice mm. makes progression. And that's the best thing that you can do is mm -hmm. say, I'm going to take one step today. I'm going to take one step to ask myself, who is God? Okay, I'm going to write that down, figure it out through his word. And then in light of that, who am I? And then in light of that, am I acting like I am a son or a daughter of the Most High King, the creator of the universe? So we want to just dive a little deeper into what you talked about. And I specifically want to kind of rewind a little bit. And at the beginning, you shared a little bit about your story. And I, I kind of want to go a little bit more in depth in that because you said it a lot of really, really good things. Um, but I want you to share specifically kind of this like idea that you said, uh, I lost everything to find him. Mm -hmm. he, he took everything away so that I could see him. Kind of share a little bit about that because I think that's, it's not a, a different idea to the church, mm -hmm. um, but it could be to somebody who is thinking about God or maybe exploring who he is and his character, kind of sharing a little bit like what that actually looked like in your life. Yeah, definitely. So I found myself in college. Uh, it's easier to start there because before it was just your typical, um, you know, dealing with drama and just self insecurity and kind of high school stuff. But high school was fairly easy. Um, but when I got to college, that's when it got harder. Like I had said um, in the in the TLS episode, I definitely was all into the world and trying to have my affirmation and acceptance and and worth come through that. And so in doing so, I kind of looked around when I got to college. Um, there's more freedom and, and you there's a different environment. And I saw, okay, how do you get popular? How do you get liked? How do you get loved? How do you fit in? And it was definitely, you know, do worldly things such as, you know, be fake, mm -hmm. gossip, edit your pictures, go to certain events, you know, do things that you typically your parents told you not to do. And so I kind of did it all um, knowing that it was not good because, you know, you have that conviction inside of you. And and conviction sometimes is such a big word, but it's really you can feel like you're doing something you're not supposed to do. Um, yeah. And I definitely felt that, but the desire to be liked and to be loved kind of outweighed that. And so I definitely dove into that. And it was almost two and a half years of just doing worldly things um, and things that I knew was, were hurting me somewhat and hurting my relationships. But I, I just craved to be liked and desired because I didn't have that in high school. I wasn't a very popular person. I was a, a dancer, not for the school itself. So I didn't get to be at any games or really any proms or anything like that. So when I got to college, I wanted to make a name for myself. So junior year hits and I have, you know, great relationships. I'm super popular in the, in the world's eyes and, you know, social media is great. Dance is great. I'm getting paid to dance, you know, not a ton, but it's just money. And I have all the friends, my grades are decent, like in the A's and B's. And there was a span of five months where God really ruined me and brought me to the end of myself. And, and I say that in a very loving way. So he definitely protected me by removing me. Um, so I always tell the story to make it, to make it um, more understandable is all throughout college, I put myself in different doors. So the door of parties and like popularity mm. and, you know, gaining everything, being invited to everything, everyone loving me. And then into the door of relationships, I couldn't be single. I wanted people to like me, especially, you know, um, boys. And I wanted a boyfriend and had to feel loved. And then into the mm -hmm. doorway of, you know, my sport or my talent of dance. And I, and I had to be good. I had to be the best. I could never mess up. And then into a door of good grades and good school. 
into a door of, you know, having perfect relationship with family. And so I put myself in all these doors in the worldly aspect and social media was the biggest one of it being so fake. Um, Mm. and I say, Jesus kicked me out of every single one. So I went through a few breakups. So instantly that, that door shut in my face of just heartbreak and breakups and it was not great. And then I actually lost a friend due to drunk driving. And so instantly that door was shut of, you know, the party scene and and the alcohol scene and and all of that. And I realized what just sin does. This person didn't do anything wrong, but it just gave me an overview of, wow, like this life is so little and so short. And my, Mm -hmm. my personal actions have consequences because I was the first person I'd ever known to die in my life besides, you know, old age. Um, And then I I lost all my friends, really. Um, Everyone found out that I was fake, which I mean, everything that's hidden in dark comes to light. You know, scripture says Mm -hmm. that. So a lot of people found out I was fake and, and cut relationships and cut ties. And then I ruptured and tore my Achilles and my FHL tendon. It's the deepest tendon in your foot. Oh, and so, it, yeah, I instantly had um, a full ankle reconstruction. Um, 75 or 78% of my tendon was actually shredded. And I didn't know it was, it was kind of a God thing. No one found it for four years. It was tearing. And the fourth year, it finally just exploded. Really, that's what the doctors told me. They're like, we don't know how this has gone unseen. Um, but it was definitely the Lord's timing because it was on top of just so much. And and then my mom got diagnosed with lupus and my sister with depression and mental health. And and so really my entire life came crumbling down. And, and with the door mm. analogy, I ended up in the hallway and there was really no more doors. They were all, it felt like they were all locked and I got kicked out of every single door that I placed myself in. And I was really mad at God. I was like, you're supposed to be this good, gracious God that I learned about in Bible school. Like, I told Mm. you I loved you. Like, I gave myself to you. Like, why is my life hurting so bad? Why am I alone? Like, I don't have anything. And I just kind of kept feeling him say, like, well, what do you have left? And I was like, what do you, like, almost sarcastic. I was like, what do you mean? What do I have left? Like, you took everything from me. Like, I have literally nothing. And and I just kept hearing him ask, like, what do you have left? And I was like, only you. Kind of like in a mean response, like, I only have you left, God. And then he was like, remember that. That's kind of how, like, my mm. my heart felt you know I didn't verbally hear him say that but like it was definitely like a remember that and it, it was like period like that was it and and it made me realize like wow like all I really do have left is God and in that moment yeah. uh December of junior year I really saw that everything that I ever had had was very worldly um and it, it was it was fleeting and, and it all reminds me of building your house on sinking sand that's all I had done for the past three plus years and definitely God, you know, made an earthquake happen, made the sand disappear to, to reveal that underneath all that gross sand that I had, like he was there because I had given my life to him in middle school. Um, and, and he just reminded me, like, I will only be the only thing that you'll ever have for real, like the only thing that you can hold on to and the only assurance because everything else fades, like popularity fades, Instagram fades, talents fade, like we all are retired athletes eventually. Like you do get your heart broken, whether you're in different seasons of life, people do hurt you. So he kind of showed me in that moment um, that, you know, everything you place that's of the world, you'll lose. But if you place it in me, you know, you could lose everything and still have everything. So mm. long story short, he literally ruined me to save me. So it was, wow. it was a very gracious thing. He definitely, he protected me by removing me from everything. Wow. Thank yeah. you so much. Can I just yeah. honor you for a second? Like- <laughs> no, it was- like you just jumped Lord. on this TLS podcast and you're like, 
I'm just gonna keep it real. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I keep love 100. it and, Yeah, and it's like that's why we call this True Life Sessions. It's like yeah. you know, it's it's easy to find those little snippets of good words, and it's really easy to find those uh, snippets of encouragement and those one-liners. But it's like, man, especially in my life too. Like just to share with you, like Jesus made Himself known in the darkest of places. Yeah. Like for me, like it's like when I realized I was like, I can't see anything around, it made me realize mm. he's literally the only thing I can see. And then everything lit up. And so just want to honor you. Thanks for sharing that. That's, that's mm. super, you know, sorry you had to go through all of that really. Yeah. Um, but also super thankful for the testimony that Jesus is writing in you Definitely. to, like we talked about, teach and lead young women into what biblical womanhood looks like and identity in Jesus. And so mm. I think something that you talked about is something that I've been thinking about a lot, especially, you know, by the grace of God, we live in America where we have freedom. Mm -hmm. We have freedom to make choices upon what we think is right. And um, we live in a democracy where we can vote for people to be in office for what we think is and what we believe is right. Mm -hmm. But I think that is sometimes, this is just my own opinion, but I think that is sometimes trickled even down into our spiritual life yeah, to where sure. we think the definition of freedom is I can do whatever I want. That's me. I <laughs> yeah. am the king of my life. I am the ruler of my life. I am, and especially in America, in this Western kind of individualistic society, it's like, I'm going to do me. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to go out and get it. I'm going to grind. Mm -hmm. And everything that I accumulate or whatever it may be in your life, it's because of me. You know, mm -hmm. I, I did this. And what you shared about, and I think what would be shocking to a lot of people, is even when you did everything that you thought was good and mm -hmm. like you lived in your idea of what freedom was freedom being I can do whatever I want that's yeah. that's actually not freedom no. like what the bible says is freedom is actually living under the rule and reign of a king in a mm -hmm. kingdom mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of shaking to our core especially of us that live in America is like we try to mix the lines of like, what is freedom? What isn't freedom? And Jesus is like, this is freedom. Freedom mm -hmm. is actually to live under the sovereign hand of a creator of the universe that says, this is the way to live, not to be like restraining, but actually to give more freedom. And I hear a lot of people who don't follow Jesus. They're like, Meh. the Bible is just a big thing of rules. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, it's actually a gateway to a life fully free mm -hmm. from everything. And mm -hmm. you talked about like the things that you tried to put on the throne that only belong to Jesus those things didn't suffice and actually put you in more bondage than what you, yeah. <laughs> what you started at. And that's the same for me, you know, whether it was, whether it was in high school sports for me, whether it was girls, whether it was my relationship with my parents yeah. coming from a broken household, like all of those things fell through. And for so sure. I really appreciate you sharing about that. Cause that, that is something that I think a lot of us just kind of need a cold splash in the face about because <laughs> freedom in Jesus is a life fully free. Yeah, and definitely. Those those are free or free indeed. So mm. anyways, that was good. Okay. So <laughs> coming out of that, you talked about uh Jesus is now my identity, not my title. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I'm gonna steal that. And I'll You're quote welcome. you. I promise. You I'll don't have you. to. It's I'm gonna okay. steal it. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna steal that. And I'm gonna say that sometime, somewhere. Somebody will hear it. Um so kind of like you talked a little bit about social media. I think mm -hmm. that's something that the Lord has placed upon your heart. You want to kind of share um, just like that that passion that the Lord has given you to be a light in a dark place and how yeah. you um, are living as Jesus is your identity, not your title, especially in the confines of social media. How do you how do you do that? Yeah, definitely. So I'll start off by saying I'm not perfect. Like I definitely mm -hmm. get wrapped up into yeah. the um, 
the ocean waves, I guess, that knock you down as a kid of, you know, trying not to look at likes and having everything be perfect. So definitely I will always fall short. And I want to start off with that because mm-hmm. I'm not perfect. And a lot of people see social media and you're like, oh, wow, like she's such a light and all of this, but you don't see like everything that happens, you know, behind the mm-hmm. scenes. So definitely starting off by confessing that like, I am very sinful and I still fight. And I think that's what life is. It's a fight to find yeah. the freedom Amen. in Jesus. But I definitely just, you know, in, in high school and in college, when I was going through that rough state, social media, I, I loved it. I've always loved editing and the art of pictures and, um, you know, photography and videography. I've always just I've been fascinated by it. And so whenever I was kind of in a low place, I used that to the advantage of, oh, let me fix myself to be perfect. But now it's mm. to the advantage of, OK, I've seen how dangerous this app is, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, now TikTok, which is crazy that they just keep coming with every generation I've seen mm-hmm. and I've realized and I've definitely been a part of the danger of social media. So now instead of just, you know, banning it, canceling it, I'm like, okay, let me bring light to it. Cause you know, 99% mm-hmm. of social media will probably be darkness, but if mm-hmm. I can just be that one little piece of light, you know, I want to. And so now I've definitely in the past two years have switched to okay, how can I use my platform that God has given me to to dwell on his goodness and his and His love and his mercy and all of that, whether it's a really long Instagram post, which I love doing, <laughs> or just something as simple as a very short little sentence. But I've just found that everyone is on social media and I'm like, okay, well, if God told me to meet people where they're at, they're on social media. So I'm going to meet them where they are because most people in this world, whether you're in middle school, in high school, a coach, an athlete, a retired coach, a grandparent, like you're on social media. It's it's very rare, but also commendable if you're not on social Mm -hmm. media these days. So definitely just meeting people where they're at. And I just was very scared at first to start talking about Jesus because that's not a cool thing to do in the world's eyes. It's very, you know, some people will say even annoying or, you know, it's very like, oh, wow, you're publicizing your faith. Like you should keep that to yourself. And just some people are like that. And I and I think those people have been hurt. I don't hold any, you know, any mean feelings to them. I think they have been hurt. That's why they have those feelings. So I try to do it in a very loving, gracious, but also truthful way. I don't sugarcoat it. I know a lot of accounts that are very sugarcoated. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I provide truth, but in a very gracious way, or at least I try to. Um, and I was scared at first, like I said, and, you know, my followers dropped and I was like, hey, I mean, if that's what it takes, then I don't really care. But then, you know, my followers increased and I was like, wow, like it's increasing, not because I'm posting this perfect picture, but it's increasing because I'm posting truth. And I think people mm. just realize like this is truth and they they started to crave it. Um, and so I guess the, the biggest thing, I don't really know if you know, but I started a journaling account. Um, mm. it's, it's called Arbor's Journal. And, and I, I love it because I just really went on there to write my own journal and just publicize it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's turned into, I guess, a thing now, which is kind of crazy, but it's like up to 15,000 followers. And that wow. kind of makes me want to throw up. So I kind of keep all <laughs> notifications turned off, but it's just a way to yeah. bring light to such a dark world like social media. And in a way, if someone does, doesn't know Jesus, they can find him in a little snippet of a post and then discover more about him by going to church or to their word or being in community. But long story short, just I saw a dark place and I wanted to bring light to it. So and praise God for it, fifteen thousand, and we pray for many, many oh, more. Because, that's crazy. Hey, even even yeah, that, I don't that even is, like that saying that. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Good luck with that. Um, good luck with that. Um, we'll be praying for you in that because I I I think 
I was I was at a conference uh, for youth pastors a couple months back, and they said something really beautiful about the Gen Z generation. And it's really easy for us to kind of be on the negative side of like millennials are lazy, Gen Z is whatever, boomers are this, blah blah mm-hmm. blah blah. But they said something really beautiful. I think about Gen Z and this next generation coming up is that they are looking for depth. Mm. Like they are looking for something with actual meaning. Yeah, and they're not looking. So they were specifically talking within graphic design, which is kind of in my field. And they were talking about how they don't, they said Gen Z doesn't want information. They want art. Mm. And I thought that was so profound because so um, I think a lot of times I'm like scared to post something or I'm sure in your case with 15,000 followers, you're like, this doesn't really like look like everything else or yeah. has this vibe that or the trend or or whatever, but you're like, you know what, this is what's art to me. Yeah. And it's journaling this picture or whatever, this quote. Yeah. And so I think, I think there's a reason for that gain is because people are looking for something in depth and you just being a gateway to the greatest story of all time that has so much truth, mm-hmm. depth, brokenness, but also great redemption in yeah. the Bible. And uh, so I've, I, I think I did see it. I, I scrolled through it a little bit, and I saw that you were just preaching identity, <laughs> which I love, which I love, and I think that's so good. And so I want to kind of talk about just identity and your heart for that and yeah. really kind of, obviously, we can kind of hear it a little bit in your story of where it came from and then why are you so passionate about telling this next generation that their identity is in Jesus? Mm-hmm. So, like, why why, why, do you, yeah, why are you passionate about it? I was waiting. I was <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, I didn't ask no, a good question. No, you're good. I think, like you said, like I've just lived through it, and mm-hmm. like God got me out of it. So I, I never want to take that for granted. That He gave me so much, like oh my goodness, so much grace and so much mercy, and you know, one by Jesus dying for my sins, like that already was unfathomable. Like I can't even speak about that because, like, I'll start boohooing, but. The mm-hmm. fact that that happened, and then even when I turned my back on him so many times, he still was like, I'm still here, and, and he was still fighting for me and, and got me out of such a dark place. So I think I'm so passionate because I know almost what it's like to be burned by like mm. not having your full identity be in Jesus. You know, my heart really does long for the people that don't know him or the people mm you know, that have heard him and have said, no, like my heart is really burned and burdened for them, but it's almost more burdened for the people that have heard him, have accepted him and do nothing about it. And I'm like, how mm. can you not, like, how can you not do something about it? And so I guess just like the heavy burden of, I want people to know like what happens when your identity mm. isn't in Jesus, because it's not a fun ending. <laughs> like, yes, if, if you are a Christian, you will go to heaven and it's beautiful. That's a beautiful ending. But getting there, if your identity is not in Jesus, it's going to be so hard. So that's mm-hmm. why I guess I'm so passionate about it is because I've lived through it. I know all of all of the weight it carries and just to offer some sort of freedom in that and to tell them what Jesus, like Jesus doesn't want them to live life through that. So just Mm. another voice that's like, Hey, I'm not telling you to do this because I did it perfectly. It's like, no, I felt the repercussions of not having my identity in Jesus for four years, basically. And so I want to be the person to tell you what I wish someone told me. So that's why I'm very passionate about it is because I saw what life was like not having my identity in Jesus and what it's like now. And I'm like, this one's way better. Like that's not even comparable. So if I can yeah. get people to this side before they even have to experience not having their identity in Jesus and, and feeling that darkness, that's why I'm so passionate about it. 
Yeah, it reminded me of the story in Acts where Peter uh, heals the man asking for money. And his immediate reaction is to stand up and just start dancing. Yes. Like, he's like, he's like, and then he like runs up in the temple. He starts dancing and all the Pharisees are like, yo, what's this clown doing? Like, this is the temple of Yahweh. What's this dude getting jiggy with it right here (laughs) in front of everybody? Yeah. And it's like, we can't help but to tell what God has done for us. Like, we can't help to tell, to show the scars that Jesus has healed. We can't help but dance because we were walking one way and Jesus is like, no, this is the way. And yeah. it goes back to that. I've come, like Jesus is like, yo, I've come to give the fullness of life. Mm. And that heaven isn't a destination to get to, but a lifestyle to live in now. And mm. like, yes, we get to be in heaven in eternity one day with Jesus. But I, my heart breaks for people thinking that they're, that's the only thing they're waiting for when Jesus mm-hmm. is like, no, I came to give you abundant life now and that mm-hmm. you could represent mm-hmm. heaven to people. You could be ambassadors of heaven and allow the kingdom of God to come on earth mm. as it is in heaven. And I love, I love too, that, that you're, you're just so passionate about identity. Cause I know my heart breaks too, for especially young men who try to find it in sports or try mm. to find it in the way that they act. Like, Hey, you can't be soft. You got to go like this. You got to be like this. You got to be hard. Um, yeah. when that's not what the Bible says about biblical manhood. You know, look Definitely. at David. David was a David was a uh, a war leader, a war chief, but also played the harp and wrote poems. <laughs> like, like, like this dude, this dude, like led people into battle, and then went home and wrote poems. I love like, that. That's my yeah. <laughs> like, like this is what God is saying. It's like, dude, like stop trying to put me in a box or like mm-hmm. fit yourself in a box. But like, I've come to give you fullness of life. And yeah, I think going back to this idea of identity is like man, God has created us for something so much more. And I shared this a little a couple weeks back uh, at something. I don't remember what it was, but out of all the things in the universe, all the amazing things we have on our earth, the most beautiful thing that you can think of, your favorite want, like wonder of the world or the, the most beautiful rainbow, the mountain range. Hey, I know where you're at in the Appalachian Mountains. Come on. Oh, like the Blue Ridge Mountains, the Smoky Mountains, like mm-hmm. the most beautiful places you can think of, even to the highest, like Jupiter and thinking about the vastness of space. All of those things are great, mm-hmm. amazing. But none of those things have the image of God printed upon them. Yeah. Like we are the only thing in all of the universe that God says, let's make them like me. Like yeah. let's make them like us. And he looked at us and he said, that's good. That's good. Be fruitful and multiply. And then Jesus in the Great Commission is saying, be fruitful and multiply. Go out, tell people what I have done in you, through Mm. you, around you, and allow that to be, yeah, just the transformation that, oh, it's so beautiful. I think just going off that, sorry, sorry, I got interrupted because it's scripture, I think. (laughs) You reminded me, I mean, the my one of my favorite Bible verses is James one eighteen. It's like, out of all creation, uh, we became his prized possession. It's easy because it, you can memorize it because it rhymes, but that's mm-hmm. the NLT. It's out of all creation, we became his most prized possession. And it, it's, it goes back to what you're saying, like nothing else, like the sun, the clouds, the galaxies, that's not his prized possession. And that's not what he called very good. It's us. So just having oh, that, just how can you not find your identity in that it's just yeah. it's beautiful yeah. it's it's emotionally wrecking yeah it is it is and for all of us like regardless of the brokenness that we are coming from mm-hmm. we are sitting in or probably what we're heading into yeah like that is that's how god sees me and that blows my mind yeah. i was uh 
I was reading Sermon on the Mount this past week, mm. and Jesus is like, yo, this is how to live in my kingdom on earth. This is how you represent like a disciple of Jesus on earth. And he's like, man, look at the lilies. Mm. Look how look how beautiful they're clothed. Even Solomon in his greatest in his greatest drip, if you will, like can't match the lilies. How much more does your father in heaven love you and mm. want to clothe you? Mm. And I was thinking, like I'm sitting here like trying to write down and I'm literally this is my quiet time. This is how my brain works. I'm thanking God for my closet. I'm like, Lord, just thanks for the shirt on my back. Yeah. Thanks for the socks. And uh, the Lord's like, but I've clothed you in something better. Mm. And I'm like, okay, cool. What's that look like? And Isaiah talks about how, because Isaiah is prophesying about who Jesus is, and he said he's going to clothe us in salvation and mm. garments of righteousness. And I just like got stopped in my tracks yeah. because the Lord, when he sees me, sees Jesus. And that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I don't understand it. Hmm. But that's how good he is. Yeah. And his eyes are so fixed on us that we just he just sees Jesus in us. So. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Identity is so important because from identity flows basically a lot of our lives, like the yeah. way in which we live. And so I guess to, to kind of wrap us up, because we could just sit here and probably I could talk for talk four hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, how do we like practically realign ourselves back? Because like you said, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. As soon as we get off of this off of this podcast, I'm probably going to get hit in the face with life. You're going to get hit in the face with life. And we're going to try to put our identity in something else. We're going to try to yeah. think like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. How do us as Jesus followers or those who are investigating Jesus, how do we like keep realigning ourselves back onto his identity and who he sees He sees us as? Mm. Well, you actually just, I was going to say something else, but how you asked that question sparked something else to me. I don't know if mm -hmm. the people listening have have driven yet, have been in the car, have gone anywhere when you get your tires aligned, but I never do. And that's not good. So do not follow my example, <laughs> but you can tell that there's supposed to be this perfect alignment. And if you drive and you drive more than you should without the, I don't, I'm not a mechanic, so I don't know the full degree of how the how it works. I think you know more than I do though. So keep going. <laughs> I just have been yelled at many times, but you have to go back a certain amount of miles or something. And if you don't, then it becomes very obvious. Um, and I can speak firsthand because you'll be driving and your, your car will definitely pull to one way or the other because it's not mm. aligned and you have to go back. You have to get your tires adjusted and aligned and then go and then go back, adjust the line and then go. So I think definitely it's the same with our heart and, you know, in our mind or our body and our soul is we have to go to kind of our body shop, our mechanic, which is the word and get mm. aligned and then go out and, you know, live life. And then once, you know, we need to go back and, and, you know, with the car, it's every other, you know, a thousand miles or something. But, but for us, it's every morning and every night, every mm -hmm. morning, every night, every morning, every night, just going back to our word and trying to get aligned with truth, with, you know, encouragement, with, with everything because it's not just a book of commands it's a book where like you said david wrote poetry and weeped and mm -hmm. you read mm -hmm. about kings that are messed up and you read about low and the weak becoming the strong and it, it's just a book that's so full of alignment for ourselves so almost in a in a metaphor analogy just encouraging to go back to the word morning and night and, and getting mm -hmm. aligned just like you have to align your tires or your life will start to pull in one way or the other whether that's, you know, towards pride and arrogance or that's towards sin and selfishness or however. But if you're, you know, if you go back over and over and over, which we both have to do, we've, like you said, we yeah. both are 
aren't perfect, you you get aligned back with Jesus and he's very gracious. He'll do it for you. He'll mm-hmm. align your heart if you ask him. But yeah. Yeah. It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus is always inviting us into that presence with him. It's not this like uh, this idea of like, okay, you just need to be better. Yeah. Arbor. Like stop putting your identity and stuff. But this like, hey, come come sit with me. Let me tell you about who I see you as. Let me mm-hmm. tell you about. And I was just thinking about Psalm Psalm 1 just to wrap us up. Uh, talking about how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, in the mm-hmm. Lord's word. And he meditates on it day and night. Meditates is like this, like preaching it back to yourself. Like, yeah telling himself over and over and over and over again about this good, good word. He's mm-hmm. like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither, whether he, whatever he does prospers. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, even David's like, yo, you got to get in this book. Like I'm telling <laughs> you, like, like you got to get in here. And it's, yeah, it's like even Jesus, like he practiced this for us. Like he yeah. breaks away like 40 sometimes in the gospels to be with his father by himself on the mountains, in the wilderness, whatever it may be. And so, yeah, that's, that's a big thing. You got to be in the word because the mm. word reveals the, the deeps, the brokenness of our heart yeah. and uh, shows us who he is. And I love, I love how you shared that. And I got to share it again. But the way in which you view identity is who is God. Mm-hmm. And because God is God in those ways, that's who I am. So who mm-hmm. am I? And then am I living that way out? And that's an easy way for anybody, coach, athlete, young person, old person. That's a great way to read the Bible. We do this thing in FCA called Discovery Bible Study, and it asks these questions like, when I'm reading this scripture, what does this say about the character of God? Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, when I know about the character of God, what does this say about me or humanity? Here's a a little tidbit. You're going to see a big gap when you answer those two questions. You're going to see a gap where it says, God's this way and you're this way. There's a big chasm. That's when you just start worshiping because Jesus has paid it all. Mm. Jesus has filled that gap and has bridged that gap together. And then the third question is like, if it's true, how will I apply it to my life or my athletics or my sports? And then four, which I love this one, is who needs to know about this? Mm. Because this scripture is true, who needs to know about this? And so that's just an easy way to do it. And it's like, yeah, the word the word will reveal it, uh, reveal us, the brokenness of us, but will also replace it with the grace of Jesus. And mm. um, and then two, and I'd love to get your idea on this. You do these worthy nights, which is a bunch of young ladies coming together and learning about who Jesus sees them as, has called them to be um, as young women. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about why do you think it's important for us to struggle in identity, like try to figure it out, practice these things in community and not in isolation? Yeah, I think one, the fact of just community, we were meant for it, you know, like Mm -hmm. uh, even going back to the beginning, Adam was made and, you know, uh, God brought all these, you know, all the animals and he was naming them as like, there was no perfect suitor. And, and God had to literally make a woman out of, out of man. Mm-hmm. And instantly in the beginning, I mean, the first two people lived together, you know, like together from the beginning, all the way till you get to revelation. I mean, like everything is a book of community, a book of Jesus, mm-hmm. and a book of the gospel. And like, you can't have community without, or you can't have the gospel and like all this without community. So I think one, it's just dangerous to be isolated because mm-hmm. as broken humans, you know, even with the truth in front of us, we are broken and we're on this earth. We will always be broken until we get to heaven. And, and so our minds can wonder, you know, what, well, what if this isn't true? You know, well, like, you know, I read this and Jesus says this about me, but you know, they, he doesn't know what I did last week. And you can just, mm-hmm. Satan can really attack you when you're alone and when you're by yourself. And, 
there are some things in the book that are really hard to understand, even for me. And I bet even for you, you know, in ministry, working in ministry, and we even have to go to people. So I say community is so important because people can pour truth back into you. You know, you read the truth, it gets in your head, then you start fighting with it. You're like, oh, like, what if this isn't about me? And the people can reaffirm you like, no, that is about you because that is what God says about you. So just being isolated, you can get in your mind and your thought and sight and want you isolated because you have truth yep. in front of you. And we're, and we're blessed, like we said, to be in a world where we have the freedom to have a Bible. And, you know, God willing, everyone eventually will have a Bible in their hands and Satan's scared of that. And so mm-hmm. when you're alone and reading truth, he's going to try to fight that off in your head. Um, so when you have community around you, they can one, help you and be like, no, that is true. And they can hold you accountable mm-hmm. and remind you, but then they it can also show you, you know, how to understand it more. And, you know, there's wisdom and age. I always say that. So find mm-hmm. people your age to help discover the Bible with, but then find people older than you to help you to learn about the Bible because it is sometimes hard to read and, and then go find people younger and teach what you've been learning. So use yep. every single age and community that you can get to grow in your faith. So you're just not alone. That's good. That's good. You're speaking discipleship language. I love it. <laughs> You know, it's like we're supposed to make disciples, but man, do I need somebody to disciple me (laughs) so badly. And I've got those people by the grace of God in my life that are, I say something, they're like, I don't think that's what the Bible says. And they'll draw me back. Yeah. And and it's like, I need that. It's very humbling. Yeah, it's very humbling. And uh, that's just Jesus's grace again, over and over showing us. So that's so good. That's so good. So get in the word, find community. Uh, we believe it belongs in the local church. Our mission statement is is every coach and athlete and his church. We want to connect them to Jesus and his mm-hmm. church. And so it's like we want you to be connected in a local church. And then outside of that local church, whether it's a huddle, whether it's a coach's huddle, whether it's a Zoom huddle, whatever it is, please, please find community to wrestle in these things together because you're just not meant to do it alone. That's just mm. that's you just not. You weren't created to, to do it alone. You weren't created to be the Lone Ranger. Um, do yeah. this together in community and work this stuff out. So yeah, we're definitely. praying for you coaches and athletes. Uh, Arbor, anything, any last words? I just say Jesus was the perfect example. He did life in community. Mm-hmm. He encouraged people, yep. showed grace and got alone in his word and reminded himself. So just dive into Jesus's life and just try to mm-hmm. line, align with yours every time you get. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, thank you, Arbor. Thank you so much for your wisdom. We're all going to be chewing on this for probably months to come. So I'm, I'm super thankful for your leadership, uh, especially in young women's lives. And I'm excited to see what God does in you, through you, around you. And uh, man, if you're not following her, go follow her, okay? On Instagram, follow her <laughs> journal. It's gas. It's so heat. I'm learning from it. It's so good. And uh, just thank you again for, for joining us. No, thank you for this opportunity. It's an honor. So I'm encouraged by what TLS is doing and FCA and it's just it's a dream job so I'm blessed by it man I hope you are just as encouraged as I am after that conversation with Arbor Diggs from Knoxville Tennessee I pray that you would take a moment today and just pray for her ministry pray for worthy nights that are happening 
every single week in Knoxville, Tennessee, and young women that are stepping into this new identity in Jesus. I'm excited to see what God does in her, through her, and through this ministry that she serves alongside FCA. But wherever you're at in the country or the world today listening to this, I pray, coaches and athletes, that you would take a step deeper into the identity that Jesus has for you. Because we believe when we take a step in that identity, we realize that we are created. It will change everything in our lives. So wherever you're at, just know that FCA is for you. We believe in you and we are praying for you. And we cannot wait to see you on next month's episode of True Life Sessions. See you around, FCA.